0: Welcome to Sales in the Subscription Economy, Season 1, Episode 2. I'm Amanda Northcutt of SubscriptionCoach.com, and my guest today is Chris Oakes. Chris is the VP of North American Sales for Factorial. He is responsible for all revenue processes, as well as developing a global sales organization within his company. Chris's sales career started back in high school and has progressed through in-home knife sales, organic food, and for the past 15 years, software as a service within the email deliverability and marketing automation space. He is an honors graduate from the University of Houston, where he played D1 football. Chris also holds an MBA from UCLA, focusing on marketing, finance, entrepreneurship, and international management. Chris, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, Amanda. Thank you. Thank you for having me on.
0: Yeah, we're excited to have you. We're excited uh, to get all the wisdom that you've collected over the years, from uh, all the way from knife sales to VP of sales, and uh, let's dive into the twelve questions. Great, so, let's do it. Yeah, first, tell me a little bit more about your sales career, where you've been, how you got to where you are now, and a bit about Factorial.
1: Sure. So uh, it it actually did start in high school. I I sold lollipops when I was a, when I was in ninth and tenth grade, and, and actually sold so much that the the dean of students um, ordered me to stop. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, which was kind of interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And then in, uh, in, after college, I uh, got a job with a company called Cutco. Mm-hmm. And Cutco Cutlery is in-home knife sales. So we worked through referrals and, and uh, I did that for 12 years and progressed into one of the Uh, more senior manager uh, levels and leadership levels within the company Mm -hmm. and developed a lot of people along the way. And then once I I left Cutco, I I moved to a company called Return Path, which was email deliverability. And so I went from um, uh, selling knives in people's homes to housewives to uh, Mm -hmm. negotiating six-figure deals with marketing companies, on a uh, e- email delivery space, something I knew absolutely nothing about. <laughs> awesome. And then most recently, the uh, last year, started working with a company, uh, Factorial. Factorial is a marketing automation platform, and we are focusing on small, medium-sized businesses and, and talk to them about how having a uh, platform such as Factorial or marketing automation makes their life easier and helps them engage with customers on a, a, uh, much more, um, uh, much more fulfilling way.
0: Awesome. Um, that's fantastic. That's a great story. I love <laughs> that you were selling, uh, candy and got asked to stop. Did you, um, yeah. offer to cut the Dean in or what's the deal with that? Is he just not having it?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I, I love, uh, Dean Skinner. He is fantastic. Taught me a lot about English. Um, I was making around $250 a week as a nice. ninth grader. Nice. So, um, <clears throat> the uh, I, I found out later after I graduated that because I was dealing with so much money, they thought I was uh, selling drugs, which was kind of <sighs> ironic. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was like, well, it's candy. And <laughs> they also saw how much I was making. So, they ended up starting the uh, Francis Parker Student Store, which sold candy. <sighs> uh, and They I, cut
0: you out. They Damn. cut
1: me out. I mean, oh. it was the... You know, it was a a good thing of, a good lesson of if you're, if you, if you are not treating your customers in a long-term recurring revenue way, they go to (laughs) a, they go to the greater selection and they just, they, they, I realized it was a depersonalized transaction that I had mm. with people. So
0: mm. lesson sorry. learned. I feel like you got gypped. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like I'd be pretty proud of my son if he did something like that. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> moving on. <laughs> um, all right. What sources do you rely on to stay up to date on sales and sales management?
1: Yeah, it's it, you know it's always interesting. Sales is uh, sales is an art rather than a science. It, I'll, although I will say over the past twenty five or, or thirty years that it it has progressed more towards a little bit of a science with data and processes and being able to you know test what works and what wasn't and and what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of the, some of the books that have really helped me the most, there's a, uh, there's a, a book by a, an author named Mahan Khalsa, and it's called Let's Get Real or Let's Not Play. Mm. He's a, uh, he's a Harvard MBA and, and was on this enterprise level selling and, and for, for sales deals that they missed, they were trying to understand why. And, and that's, was always something that was very curious for me of when I started selling uh, Cutco. I, you know, I made a few initial sales cause you see people, you know, and it's easy and they're great knives and I still use them. They're fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I started seeing some people and I, and I got no, and I got, I got rejection and I realized I did not like that. I'm a very competitive person by nature as again, like mm-hmm. college athlete and all the other garbage and, and <laughs> Ironman athlete. And I, you know, I loved competing and you have that experience of failure And at that point, I asked my manager, like, you know, what happened? Like, people are supposed to buy. And, And so then he started asking me a few questions and, you know, said, well, do you not want that to happen again? It's like, of course. And then you start getting into, you know, not sales 101 and 201, but 401 and 501 of like, these are not just the tips and tricks, but these are the processes and these are the questions and these are how you engage. Mm-hmm. And let's get real or let's not play, took a lot of kind of salesy concepts like, you know, Amanda, if I can do that for you, would you like to go ahead and get started with this today? <laughs> uh, exactly. And that's the response to go, oh great. I uh, This guy's selling me. And it got yeah. to more of like you know, how would you be using this, and you know what's the impact of this thing, if you, if you don't use this, or you know where you're really kind of understanding the customer, and and just recently I've seen where you know the the empathy of the customer is is kind of what's starting to bubble up or a a, a new buzzword for it, so that was fantastic, and and then that progressed into another great book that I love called uh, Mastering the Complex Sale, mm. um, and then also just in general is. I like listening to podcasts with very successful people and it doesn't matter you know what they do if they've had some success for it they could be like one of my my best customers from from selling cutcoat she and her husband ran a trash hauling business and probably made more money than all but five or six of the previous of all of my customers but they just it's like well let me understand what they're doing like how did they turn trash into becoming millionaires. And so what's great about podcasts and things like what we're doing right now is, you know, you can listen to somebody and, and if you're getting a phrase or a concept or a story of overcoming something, you can use that and be able to shape that to your own company or process or personality or behavioral traits that you want to be able to do and, and magnify that within your business.
0: Yeah, I love that. That's a great answer. Um, we well, may have already just answered this, but what are your all-time favorite business books?
1: Um, so yeah, I, I love Let's Get Real. It, it, it's I, I love the science aspects of things, and I look at I look at sales as for all of our biology nerds out there of of Krebs cycle of things go in, things come out. <laughs> you get this process. You take you know sugar and 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 carbon and carbon mon- dioxide, and you where you create carbon dioxide and water and create sugar. So don't tell Miss Marone because she taught me that. I think I messed up. <laughs> um, and so like within this process, like what are you doing? And then most recently, um, some interesting biographies again of like, what are successful people doing? And, mm-hmm. and um, there's, a, um, I don't know what she's doing now, I think just tweeting, but a a person named Carly Fiorina, who Mm -hmm. a while ago ran for president, but more importantly, you know, she ran HP
2: -hmm. and
1: she was head of Lucent Technologies. And it was this very interesting book of, um, how she went from being a technical salesperson in a male dominated world Mm -hmm. and how she had to adjust to it. So like, how does she behave with certain cultures because she was a woman? Yeah. And you just transpose that into, I sold knives, I sold goji berries. How do you sell email deliverability to the, you know, head of marketing for, you know, I'm making up a name Best Buy or Bed Bath Mm -hmm. & Beyond or something Mm -hmm. like that. Like, what are you doing that's different and you have to adapt and you have to change. Um, And then a person who has a, you know, fantastic uh, podcast and a few books. There's a, a former Navy SEAL named Jocko Wilnick and and he has a book called uh discipline equals freedom and it's mm. how if you have processes and how how if you do things and how if you overcome and don't accept uh don't accept failure as defeat. Um that's probably not in the book and I just made it up so I'll, I'll have a t-shirt it's out a there. It's a good
0: takeaway. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it, and and that's kind of what it is. And and when I started selling Cutco, it's like I don't like having that defeat be, uh, you know, of, of, or ha- that failure of a no sale being a defeat of my sales career. And, and some people, they face adversity and, and how you respond in that first amount of de- uh, adversity. Yeah. So, um, learning that and, and, um, it kind of helps crystallize some thinking. And, and if you do kind of stray or you have some challenges, you kind of have these, uh you know you have these um anchors to go back to and 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 uh, that's one of them
0: yeah okay that's a good one i'm going to look that one up that sounds like a great book um all right let's dive into the little bit more media questions so have sure. you found running a sales team in a recurring revenue organization different than a traditional one-time transaction sale um i
1: i think i think a little bit and and as i kind of was was pondering this some um, um it really shouldn't be different. Uh, and this goes, if we, if we kind of even back up, you know, a completely different concept of just hiring the right people and bringing Mm -hmm. the right people on board with the organization. Mm -hmm. In that if you have a salesperson who is, uh, you know, trying to get that, that big sale at whatever cost, and then you have an unhappy customer, then you don't have a recurring sale because they leave and the, you know, the, um, what is it? You can, um, shear sheep many times, but only skin them once. (laughs) And in a, in a positive concept is if you get somebody to sign a contract that they find out is, was, was maligned, um, you're done. Like you shouldn't have signed that. We call Mm -hmm. that, you know, signing good business. Like this is a, you know, a profitable customer that they are going to get a lot out of this. Uh, and so with my sales team and people that I hire is, you know, our our lifetime value of a customer is not a contract. It is, you know, years. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at recurring revenue, you could look at it as an e-commerce company where the person is buying a widget um, multiple times. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, you look at things like Amazon, like Amazon has these, recurring cut I mean I now buy stuff just so that somebody drops something off at my door and I can I can open it up right um but then you also can have this annual recurring or if you sign two year three year you know we just signed a, a four-year multi-million dollar contract with factorial and and I was talking with one of my project guys I'm like so how we're you know we we have to make sure and in, in February of 2024 that these people are happy mm-hmm. and so that's how you should be looking at this recurring revenue is all the time
0: yeah yeah don't sign a customer unless you're going to continually provide value over time I mean regardless like we're all going for repeat customers whether or not we're running recurring revenue organizations or not um but yeah it all goes down to hiring the right people and making sure that their values align and they're a cultural fit and um yeah absolutely and then i'll i'll
1: add on one one real quick bit on that is that um, as i've gone from different companies in the email space and we've had a very you know a very nuanced product to kind of a broader larger product and going from competitors within the email deliverability space i have had individuals that have gone with me from my different companies and signed deals so you your recurring revenue isn't just a business. You have mm-hmm. a person that says, "Hey, Chris, I trusted you ten years ago. Now you're with a different company. My contract is up. I would like to go with you for doing this." Yeah. And so you look at this customer for life, and people that I have sold Cutco to have. Popped up in other forms of business. Like, didn't you sell me? I'm like, yes, I did sell you knives. Wow. <laughs> um, and, you know, that's that thing. If you, you know, every single person that you're dealing with, uh, you know, you're going to live a long life. So <laughs> don't Treat be afraid. Treat people to, well. Yeah. Don't be afraid. Yeah. Don't be afraid to run into them in the middle of the street. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great kind of question to ask yourself as you're in the selling process. If I saw this person on the street tomorrow in a restaurant or in a year in 10 years, how would they feel about me?
1: <laughs> um, 100%. I love that. It's yeah. a good
0: gauge. Okay. Well, since it is March of 2020 and we are in the age of coronavirus, um, what, yes. Yeah. what changes to your projections, strategy, sales tactics, and so on have you guys made in light of everything that's going on with COVID-19?
1: Uh, yeah. And I was just having, uh, two days ago, my, uh, my CEO and, and chief product officer and I were, were having this conversation and, and you know, there's, there's two parts to it. First off is you have to acknowledge, um, uh, you have to acknowledge the situation. Um, and then I will make a broad generalization of someone who's worked in email and in email for the past dozen plus years. Um, you and I'm sure all of the listeners have found out how many email file lists they are part of with the XYZ company's response to COVID-19 in no your kidding. subject line over the past two weeks. And the first couple that came out, I thought, okay, that's interesting. And then, um, as within you know the email or email marketing space, is is people love they love copying. If these people are doing it, we have to do it. Mm-hmm. And I have received um, how we are handling COVID-19 from a custom ski manufacturer, from a you know a company that you would have never thought had anything to do with touching a customer or being in a geographical vicinity of a customer. And when you have something like that, it, it's it's a little overwhelming for the for the person who's receiving it, and a customer, mm-hmm. so um, there's a a good line, and and I love the people at SendGrid. Um, they had a fantastic uh, messaging on COVID, um, so go look it up. Okay. And what we are, what we're doing within Factorial is is two parts. Is you know, first off, it's acknowledging it, like yes, uh, this is what's happening. But, and the the second part of it is is like how is your company reacting to it right now? And what's been very intriguing to see and, and try to parse out and find and, 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 and learn about is, what dynamics are happening within, we can just use the United States. Um, companies are finding out that working from home is now much more reliable than what they thought it was gonna be. That a, you know, a restaurant doesn't have to worry about having people be seated. Uh, physically in their restaurant, like we can do a huge amount of takeaway business and, and for, you know, for same thing for grocery stores. And so there's this, what I think is interesting is there's going to be an economic shift or a paradigm shift of how things happen within a very short period of time. And I've seen um, a couple of uh, decent writers talk about the only kind of parallel would be a wartime, economy yeah. or a wartime production where you know you're really digging in and and then when you and I'm not a scientist by any stretch, um, but this is something and and my personal thought is this is going to be resolved within a few months. Um, otherwise we completely have different issues of what's going on. Right. And the point of that to to your question, and I'm giving you background for my answer, is that the the question that we're now asking these companies is how do you want your business to look when this is done? Mm-hmm. So let's say that it's July 1st where everybody can go outside and play around. And, you know, June was kind of this, you know, the, some people can start to go, but in July 1st, you know, the house restriction is lifted.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: On July 1st or July 2nd, what is your company doing? Yeah. How have you responded during this interim? And that relates into the factorial of how are you communicating with your, with your consumer, your customer? How are you engaging with them and and like for example, the bonus tip for um for uh, hair and nail salons is uh, tell us you know here's a here's a message of our some some nail polish that comes out. Let us know what you like we'll order it and ship it for you uh, at no cost to you and then when you're done, bring your nail polish into our salon, and we'll give you uh, you know, a manicure or a pedicure or something with, with your color and we'll do mm-hmm. it for free. Mm-hmm. So now what you've done is you've engaged with your customer in a very positive way. And then when this is done and over with, you now have that relationship. You know, again, you would love to see that person three months from now when you cross the street. Mm-hmm. So with with Factorial, we're looking at it as how are you preparing for when this is done? And that's how we're working with some of our, our, our customers right now of, let's get everything in place let's get that communication so that when we're done you there's no missing a beat it's not hey mm-hmm. come on in we're open it's we've been communicating with you over the past 2 3 hopefully not 4 months but you know oh, yeah. several months and there's still that kind of engagement and then the the last part on this is that people want to be engaged with right now. We are, you know, we're stuck at home. So yeah, send me a great email, send me a video of something, send me something that I can, you know, look in my downtime. And now I'm starting to feel that personal connection. I referenced in the beginning that, that empathetic connection with a brand and a consumer.
0: Yeah. Bring the human element back, um, into sales. I really like that. Um, kind of looking in the rear view mirror several months from now, where do we want to be? What could we have done to, or what can we do right now to work? Not necessarily, um, in the business, but on the business, how can we, uh, improve our foundation and our infrastructure and our systems and our processes? How can we bring the human element back into selling, um, and, and marketing? So, yeah, I, I really Absolutely. like that. I like that frame for sure. Cool. All right, what is the best advice for sales teams competing in the subscription economy right now, given this crazy economic downturn?
1: Yeah. Um, it it and it, it ties back with the 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 last question. So this one will be a, a little shorter, but you know, the groundwork is is that companies companies are looking for solutions. Um, they're not looking for doomsday prediction. Oh, you know, 30% of business, I'm making that number up 30% of businesses are going to go under over the next month. Um, Personal thought, if you go out of business in one month, then you didn't really have a viable business to begin with. So for sales teams on the subscription economy, show why your product is worth someone to invest in it right now, not buy, because it really is that investment. Again, When you're telling your customer, when this is done three months from now, four months from now, how can having this platform or product or service or whatever you're doing for them, how does that make sense for when they come out of it? And that um, do they want to be overwhelmed with trying to do a bunch of things and having to open the store again or having to do deliveries now or how to have, how do you engage is show them how. You're going to make their business, their, your, your customer's business better. Mm-hmm. And when they do have that time, you can create that more personal sell with them. You can create that more value add. And, uh, you know, again, the customer or company is saying, we know that we're going to get through this. It's like, here's how you can make the investment now. And maybe you put that investment off a month or two, but they still have to make that investment.
0: So. Yeah. Yeah. this concept of, I mean, value-based selling and really showing what you're worth. Yeah. I like that a lot. That's a great piece of advice. Um, all right. Let's talk about factorial a little bit more. Yeah. How is cross-departmental communication handled at your company? For instance, how intertwined is sales with product or marketing or customer success?
1: Yeah, we are. Um, and, and this is, uh, this is, and it was very interesting. My, my CEO, uh, Aditya, um, he's uh, he's fantastic. And what was interesting, the you know the first time first time we met in person, um, I noticed that he had had uh, Jocko's book on his in his you know in his work office, and, and I had actually brought it with me because um, I was spending a, a two weeks two weeks at our at our uh, headquarters, and and brought it in the next day and just said, you know, look, I, I read this thing too. And what's that, that is really done of, um, of our communication is, um, and I think there's a a, a hedge fund guy, Ray Dalio, who runs Mm -hmm. Bridgewater Associates, who is getting crushed right now, by the way. Um, But I have his book too. And and a concept that I love is this kind of um, naked transparency or just this, you know, uh, very not blunt, but blunt in a positive way, transparency of, here's my opinion, here's, it. and this is either fact-based, or this is just experience-based, or this is gut-based, or here's these ways of what I'm bringing to you, um, and the concept that I have was when I was working for this organic food company, I, I would deal, I worked with buyers and all these people all day long, and did not have a great communication relationship with my CEO, and he wanted to do things from kind of this ivory tower. and And my mm-hmm. response to him was, you know, look, what do I know? All I do is talk to customers all day long. <laughs> and this, you know, this concept of you know we are we are these salespeople. We are to quote office space like I talk to the customers. <laughs> I I bring the specs <laughs> from the customer to so and so, and. Is, is as funny as that is, it's uh, again, like I try to find actuating principles from things like that of like, yes, I talk to customers. If I'm doing my job, mm-hmm. then I should be able to go to my CEO and say, <clears throat> this customer who was willing to sign a deal for a quarter of a million dollars for three years, they want to see this. Is this a priority or do I need to go back to my customer and say, I'll see you in four months. Again, mm-hmm. a customer for life. Your recurring revenue is a zero sale to get a sale. Or you have this open conversation with them of saying, this is the third person I've heard. You know, I, I talked to you about this a few months ago, or I talked to you about this a couple weeks ago, or, you know, how are we looking at our product roadmap? And it is absolutely fantastic. He is, he is the best, CEO that I've had direct communication with. I've I've worked with great CEOs, I've worked with great uh, sales leaders who are my VPs. He is the best CEO that I reported directly to. And he also looks at me of, don't tell me I'm right all the time. Tell me, tell me what's going on. You know, again, he's he's not talking to people all day long and he understands that. Yeah. Um, so it's you know, it's fantastic. I love it.
0: That's really good. That's a really, um, huge glowing endorsement for your CEO. That's really cool. And I love, uh, Ray Dalio's book, uh, principles. I have the kid's version for my nine-year-old son as well.
1: <laughs> so it's not, not the 500 page version. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I did not. I did not get him that one. yet. <laughs> yeah. Maybe uh, later. Um, yeah. I actually like earmark, uh, I'm a total book nerd and I put post-it notes on my book covers at what age I'm going to have my son read them. So <laughs> <laughs> love it. Hopefully he'll be into that kind of thing. We'll see. <laughs> um but anyway yeah great great recommendation and uh, very cool that you guys have such an open line of communication.
2: Yeah.
0: All right so in what ways are individual members of the sales team uh, at Factorial held accountable for reaching their targets? Like is pay structured in such a way that they're accountable in any way for customer retention at renewal time?
1: Yeah, I think um so within, within sales and sales teams. And, and again, um, I'll talk about culture a little bit later, but you know, you should, you should hire people for the outcome. Mm -hmm. What do you want to have happen?
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, and that should be something that's, that's going along in your interview process. So I had mentioned before, like you should be hiring the right people. So if you really need to, um, if you really need to you know, motivate, or you really need to do a bunch of things with your salesperson, you know, that's your fault as, as the leader is you've hired the wrong person. A, uh, a fantastic quote that I saw like, you know, two weeks from football and I, or two weeks ago, and it was about football and, and it was, you know, at the, at the professional football level, if you have to, if you have to, you know, beg or plead or, you know, all these different things, um, to try to teach someone at the professional level skills and how to get better, that person should not be on your team. You know, you're paying a millions of dollars right. to, to play a a, a gosh darn, darn sport for right. their career. Mm-hmm. And they're like, hey, I'm going to do it my way. It's like, no. <laughs> <You shouldn't. laughs> so again, if, and that's why what's kind of, uh, I, I love hiring athletes. I love hiring swimmers, wrestlers, individual people as well, you know, like a, an individual sport as well as a team sport is, you know, and skateboarders, people who love skateboarding because you experience, huh. you experience adversity, like falling on a skateboard um, and you decide whether or not you're going to keep skateboarding. So mm-hmm. you have all of these things where you experience failure, but, you know, not defeat. And so within our sales and how we're hiring people and keeping them accountable is here's your expectations. This is the expectation in the interview process for what the job is. Here is how our comp plan is structured. Um, I had a, a great opportunity over a, uh, doing a consulting project for a, uh, a, uh, a sales compensation company mm-hmm. and you compensate towards the activity. And then you can also reward for the outcome. Mm -hmm. But like what, you know, what does that salesperson, what do they have control over? Excuse me. They control um, action, whether it's calls, whether it's setting up, um, you know, leads or appointments or all the way along from uh, the most basic. And what I first started at is just, you know, and now it's called a a business development rep or a sales development rep. Like Mm -hmm. that's kind of making all those calls all day long. Mm-hmm. And as long as you're teaching them why they're doing that rather than just how they're doing that, and you're showing them how this makes them get better. And then you have enterprise salespeople where um, they might close one deal a year, but that deal is worth $4 million. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you know, how many deals do you need in your pipeline? And do you compensate them based off deals progression or do you compensate them off that, you know, one huge deal? huge sales, So you're making $0 for 11 months, but then you close and you get a, you know, $800,000 bonus or something. Right. Like that. you know, that, <laughs> that's great. Um, and then how you're managing that is, uh, and, and holding them accountable is just, you're giving them all the tools that you need to succeed. Mm-hmm. So it's not saying, okay, well here now, let me teach you something else. Or here's, you know, here's this kind of tool. Um, <clears throat> it really is like, uh, there was a, a, a blog by Brad Feld and, um, it was called, you know, give them all the knives and Brad Feld at Feld.com is, you know, it's a many, many years ago, but the, you know, the concept was great. And, um, you know, like for me, I, I even overemphasized it. There was a, a previous company or a, a company where I was hiring a salesperson and, And, you know, we had our branded swag and stuff like that. And I wasn't going to see, he was going to start and work remotely and um, had a, uh, just had one of the t-shirts I was wearing at a trade show. And, um, and, you know, saying goodbye, he's getting ready to go jump in the the cab to go to the airport. And, and I literally took my shirt that I was wearing at the trade show and gave it to him. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and he's like, Hey, you know, what's this? And I said, I want to let you know I'm going to give you all the tools to succeed. And I am literally giving you the shirt off my back to to ensure your success. And what that also means, though, is you can never say that you missed a sale based on what you were given or the tools or the opportunity. Hmm. And so I am now holding you accountable. You tell me what you need, and I will get that for you. And if you have all the tools, and you do not succeed at this job. There is one person to blame, and that is you. You have a comp plan to encourage you. You have resources, collateral, et cetera. You know, I will come and sit on a call and lend you executive support. So now you have to go do this, mm-hmm. and it is 100% on you. And that's why like with people who are athletes, like you've got the training.
0: Yeah, they want the responsibility too.
1: Yeah, love it. Yeah. Uh, It's a
0: memorable gesture, literally the shirt off your back. Cool. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, All right. Question number nine. I think you've pretty much just covered this, but in case there's anything you want to add, um, how do you coach your sales team up on properly setting expectations for recurring revenue customers?
1: Yeah. um, And, and, uh, and this has gone from again, selling lollipops to suckers, to goji berries, to knives, to you know, software as a service is your customer, how we're touching them throughout the entire value chain of our company working with them. From the sales SDR, whoever's getting that initial lead that comes in to ask some questions, that salesperson who is guiding them along the sales process, here's what's going to happen when we are working together. The account manager who's, if it's a, you know, a service or an implementation, the account manager has the same messaging, all of those same things. Um, you know, he, here's how accounting's gonna work. So our entire company has the exact same thing of what they're doing and how it relates to the salesperson is, if you are telling somebody something that doesn't happen by our accounting team, Mm -hmm. they aren't going to buy again. And your comp plan is under, you know, you obviously get uh, overcompensated for um, bringing the business in and then you get a percentage of their recurring revenue. So Mm -hmm. if they don't renew, you don't make money. So you need to understand if you're going to tell them, Oh yeah, you know, just pay whenever. And our accounting team says it's net 30. Like you owe us money now. Mm -hmm. then the customer has a bad experience and that's within your control. because You set the expectation.
0: Yep. I like that. That's great. Um, Are you guys currently in a hiring freeze? We're not.
1: Uh, We're, we're a relatively new company. We've got some large aggressive goals um, and, and, and we're not like for us is we, we know that it's a competitive space and we're looking to build out not just on kind of the, um, junior sales or maybe someone with just a couple years experience also just on the, on the senior, senior salesperson side. Um, it, uh, you know, we're, we're looking at that internally. And and that was the, my thought is that, you know, what are we doing in July? Are we going to try to yeah. you know, get this flywheel back up and started or, or what?
0: That's right. I like your attitude. Um, I think you're athleticism and, and athletic career kind of shines through there and I think that's really cool you're clearly a really determined guy and a go-getter um and I love that you guys are still hiring right now um how do you guys typically source talent um
1: there's a there's a couple things and is that um we we look at uh just in in you know decades, is awkward to say, but in the many decades of, of Mm -hmm. working you, you come across people and (coughs) excuse me, is, um, this is your recurring revenue. Your recurring revenue is also your sales team. If you have to start hiring a sales team from scratch and you know, your, your sales process, you're selling someone on coming to work for your company. Now you've you pay them money, but there's, you know, it's transactional. You expect them to do the work. So if you're treating people well from forever and, you know, you, you can ask people, you know, who would you know about this or who would you know about this? Or, you know, I'm kind of looking for some guidance or, you know, my, my job at return path was through a person that uh, I knew in high school who had said, Hey, you know, you, you might be really good at this. And I'm like, I'm selling knives. And he's like, well, you know, you're a good salesperson, obviously, but learn, learn email deliverability. And I, you know, ironically, serendipitously, whatever enough, 15 years later, I'm literally doing the same thing as Mm -hmm. what a friend of mine from high school said. So you know, don't just think of recurring revenue as someone giving you a credit card. Don't think of it as signing a contract and and renewing that two or three years later is if you're a head of sales, your revenue are your people. And if you treat people well all throughout, there's no problem. It's been five years, Sally. What are you doing? Let me tell you what I'm doing. Would this be of interest? You know, you get through that initial like, expectation of manager you know leader it's etc space and you can also speak to them in this very open transparent way this is what we're trying to do remember with our previous company when we did this for that two-year period and it was amazing we are now doing this on a long-term you know go to market get to 300 million dollars in revenue scale mm-hmm. um, so for us it really comes into where's that cultural fit um, a really good salesperson who is a bad cultural fit is a loss leader. Oh, you know, yeah. you're, you're wasting your managerial brain power and time. And if you have a great cultural fit, I'm, I'm proof of this. I knew absolutely nothing about email. And it was, you know, you have a good fit. You're a reasonably smart person. Uh, and you understand sales and communication. You understand these things. We can teach you everything. And from a product fit space or a product knowledge space, you gosh darn better be able to teach someone about your product because that's actually what you're doing with your customers. So if you look at it, this huge overarching thing is you should be able to hire outside the space because a, a great person is a great person. So um, find that cultural fit. And that's a person who's going to, endure a challenge or endure a struggle or be the person that says, you know, holy smokes, this COVID-19 thing is killing my business. And you can have that conversation of like, well, welcome to, (laughs) welcome to, you know, getting kicked in the teeth. Like it's (laughs) it's what you're doing afterwards, you know? Um, So that's how we look at it. And that again is, is why we're, we're still willing to hire great people. That's, that's, that's where it is.
0: Yeah. Do you have any other, I mean, I'm, I'm a sales consultant uh, moved into sales recruiting and a lot of the sales VPs and hiring managers I talk to um, are, you know, they're, I'm trying to think of the right way to say this, but somewhat mystified by how to find that right cultural fit and how to assess for certain skills. Are there any uh, tips and tricks that you would want to share with your fellow sales VPs on how you guys handle that at Factorial? (sighs)
1: Yeah. And, and it really, um, it, uh, my, my dad retired emergency physician worked for 49 years, um, in the ER and, and Mm -hmm. he had a great way of hiring other doctors. He called, um, he called their, uh, professors from medical school. He called uh, and talked to the charge nurses on the floor where they did their residency, or if they were coming from, you know, an attending. He talked to the people. He talked to the people that that person would have dealt with all the time, mm-hmm. and he did all of that before he even got to talking to the actual physician to hire him, and that way he knew everything about them beforehand. You know, he, obviously you did well in school, but it was like, how do you treat other people? You're a physician, you're literally going to be treating people medically and you're going to be treating people socially, personality wise. And with that on the sales side, um, and it might be a little bit of a challenge and it might be somewhat awkward, but then again, what's the price of, of having a really crappy sales hire, you know, is talk to their customers that they had, Hey, you know, tell me about a couple deals or, you know, mm-hmm. instead of references, give me the, uh, you know, give me the, a reference of a customer that, that you, you know, that you had a sale to yeah. give me a customer. You had a no sale to, mm-hmm. and you know, that's obviously they can research them and find out that it's legit or something, but how does this salesperson behave and treat customers? Um, and then, an, you know, an interesting thing I saw many, many years ago, and I, I'm putting it out there, people take it if you like it or not, is somebody actually would say, have the salesperson send you a copy of their W-2. Obviously, black out all the information, but mm-hmm. show me your name and show me how much money you made.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that accomplishes a couple things.
2: <clears throat>
1: if you're in a, you know, and if you're in a job where their total comp is, you know, 80, 100 grand, you kind of know what you're getting. If it's a, you know, 100 to 200 K role or a 250 to 350 role or a, a 500 up roll, or a, a million dollar a year revenue roll, mm-hmm. they need to know that you need to know that they know how to work that hard. Um, for me, it is a, you know, a workplace thing. Like, is this person willing to do the work? Do they know what it takes? Um, Again, I will go back to all these sports analogies is, have you won a championship? Have you won an individual, you know, award for something, a race or whatever? Like, you know what it takes to win and be the best.
0: Yeah, testing for resiliency.
1: yeah. And, and, you know, stick-to-itiveness and, you know, like, oh, you're state championship state champion for wrestler at your weight class. Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you
1: are a, yeah. uh, you, you won your, your, your golf flight or something like that. So I, I try to find these things that are kind of outside this normal, like tell me about a deal that you won. Um, and I will wrap up by saying, when you're hiring, that's the questions that people prepare for. Oh yeah, here's this deal. And here's what I did. And I understood this. (laughs) Here's the thing that shows you that I, you know, like worked for the customer. It's like, no, tell me what you do personality wise, because that's, you know, that's who we're hiring for. We're hiring for that person. We're hiring for the culture.
0: Right, you can learn the technical skills and have a you know record of past performance and sales. I've never heard the W two tip, by the way. That's pretty funny. It's a good one. Um,
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah.
0: You can you can learn, um, you can learn the details, but you know you've got to be able to sell and prove it.
1: Again, if I have to motivate somebody that I've hired, I have hired the wrong person at this level. You know, at, at the level that we're working at and what we're trying to do. If I have to say. Come on, Amanda. You know what would you do if you got a little button like?
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> may, maybe need to be in a customer success role in that point or something like that. Yeah. Different, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I like that. Um, all right. What are uh, one to three pieces of advice you give other sales VPs competing in the subscription economy, and is that any different than what you would have said pre-COVID nineteen?
1: Yeah. How have? Uh, how is, and it's odd, like uh, slightly off topic, but but similar as <clears throat> two months ago, we were all doing different stuff. I was on planes closing deals and getting ready for trade shows and all these things. And literally, you know, I think my last trip was probably four weeks from now, but like it has really changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and... It has changed, but it also kind of hasn't. And a you know a a wonderful, lovely, fantastic uh, movie, and I, I love David Mamet, is uh, Glengarry Glen Ross. And the opening twelve and a half minutes, twelve minutes, forty two seconds of of uh, Alec Baldwin. Um, if you want to decide whether or not you want to be a salesperson, watch one the entire movie, two you will find if you do love sales, you will want to watch that first opening monologue or scene over and over and over again. And the one part that didn't have uh, swear words in it was, um, you know, there, the, the first bit of advice is, you know, the the customers are there waiting to give you their money. You know, are you going to take it? Mm -hmm. And while he was very aggressive and it was very, you know, icky feeling, The concept and referring back to the first one or two questions you asked me, the concept is there. Companies have to make an investment. Companies have to be able to grow. Companies are always looking for something. You as the salesperson are the subject matter. You should be the subject matter expert in your field and the customer who you are talking to, the prospect who you're talking to is looking for that guidance. They might not buy from you, but they are being educated by you, and they might buy from you later. Parentheses recurring revenue. So how you're treating them right now is very, very important. they they have a budget; they have to be able to deploy things. So what's working for them? You know what is helpful, and what can make their business um, succeed. Short term, right now, hiccup in the American economy. Long term. 2021 2022 these companies all have long-term growth plans how do you fit in right now how mm-hmm. do you fit in later
2: mm-hmm.
1: um would i have said this pre-covid 19 uh, the exact same thing And the short term would have been uh, almost the same what are they doing to deal with holiday your e-commerce company how are you going to handle holiday business you are a swimsuit company how are you handling business in December through March? How are you handling all of these types of things? So what are you doing for these short-term bumps to hit into your long-term, uh, your long-term growth strategy that you have? And, and that's what you as a, as a sales VP, that's what you as a, a person in charge of a sales team should be thinking. How are you best educating your customers to deal with the right now and the future?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that is such a fantastic point and and it t- it's times like this that make us kind of get back to the basics and the fundamentals of selling and remembering that we are here to solve problems. We are here to provide value. Um, we're here to help and figuring out who to help and how to help them best. Um, is It's key. It, it's, it's the basics of sales. Yeah, and so go figure. <laughs> yeah, people aren't throwing money left and right right now and so we've got to go back to the basics and um, you know first things first, so that's a great point. Thanks for sharing. And that. Here's
1: I, mm-hmm. I, something that you, you made me think of, um, and thank you for that is that um, y- you're supposed to be the subject matter expert, you're yeah. supposed to be the person that your customer turns to. If you have this, you know, trusted advisor or whatever, again, the buzzword is, you should be the person that someone comes to you and says, Amanda. What do you got? Again, Amanda deals with customers all day long. Well, let me tell you what this group of customers are doing. Let me tell you what this group of customers are doing. Let me tell you what this group of customers are doing. I see you here. How do you see you based off all of these customers? Great. Here's the guidance that I'm going to give you. And now you are that person that grabs their hand. Here's how, here's how we fit in. So, You know how is Amanda going to be being not just that calming influence, but that guiding influence Mm
0: -hmm.
1: during this, you know, during this whole situation.
0: That's right. Consultative selling, absolutely. You're a trusted advisor. You'll always have a sales job. Yeah. 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 All right. Last question. Uh, So I am a (laughs) super firm believer that sales makes the world go round, and we have a tremendous responsibility to get the economy moving again. How can we speed up that process?
1: Yeah. A, uh, uh, when I was selling Cutco, um, you know, with the, and this was back in the long time ago's, <laughs> <laughs> um, the nineties of, uh, and so we're, you know, you're always trying to motivate an 18, 19 year old, 20 year old person to like literally sell knives in some random person's home. Um, and so we would go to like all these sales things, and it was a Zig Ziglar or yeah. you know a Jim Rohn type thing, and it's you know again this very mechanical and and obviously it's it's changed, but again conceptually and obviously remembering this from the you know early '90s is um, is w- without sales there is nothing, um, mm-hmm. and within a company it is you know sales is it. Um, you have, you're a software product. Cool. That's great. Have you sold anything yet? Yeah. Okay. So you're not a company. You're not like a company. You're <laughs> a bunch of dudes, um, a <laughs> bunch of programmers, you're a bunch of, you know, people like, and, and um, I, I taught an entrepreneur an undergraduate entrepreneurship class when I was at UCLA. And, and the, you know, the biggest thing of what kept entrepreneurs from succeeding was, was execution. Like this is a great idea. Write the code. This is a great idea. Build this. Start a store. Get your product. Make the X Y Z thing. And a and you know, I, have, I love her to death. Uh, she had this company that was uh, called Enru. and they they did um, uh, they took uh, people you know from Africa that would make like a purse or a little thing, and they mm-hmm. consolidated all of it. I gave her like a C plus and you never give anyone below a B in in this elective class. I gave her a C plus and, and I'm like, I just don't get it. I don't think it's going to work, you know, whatever. Um, and, uh, I, I say that to then, uh, say this, she persevered, she executed better than anybody else. She got a $400,000 grant from, um, Steve case. She ended up, um, having Melinda Gates uh, connect with her about doing things. Wow. Uh, Adam uh, Adam management or ATOM, which was like Lady Gaga's people, like found her, we we're in LA, so everybody's around it. And, and she has turned this into a multimillion dollar business and you know, sought huh. me out to help tighten up some financials. And it was like, and I told her this story, so I'm not revealing anything, but mm-hmm. it was like, but you executed. And there were companies that just did fantastic things. So she executed, got people to do things. And it again goes to she got people to buy things from her. That's right. And from a sales standpoint, is you can hunker down and you can die a death of a thousand cuts. We lost this customer. We lost this customer. Oh, we didn't get this deal because of X. Oh, COVID-19. Okay, great. Guess who else is dealing with COVID right now? 19 right now. <laughs> everybody, your competitors are mm-hmm. dealing with COVID 19, and we we have um, you know companies are, that have signed with us and companies that are continuing forward, and we acknowledge it. How is everybody doing? How is everybody healthy? Are we you know great, cool? How does the are you guys working remotely? Cool, let's log in this way. But we are always looking forward with it. And from a sales standpoint, um, you're you know, you you still have to sell the toilet paper. Someone has to be there. You gotta have a product, you gotta do all this. You have an enterprise level software solution that is $10 million a year. Someone has to be there and do that.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: you know, the the onus, we are not, you know, the the heroes that that ran up the Trade Center on 9-11. We're just people with words and DocuSign things that we email, uh, but we are actually what make things happen. Um, we help people understand we are that calming influence and we are the revenue generation. Um, generation is in generating revenue, not, you know, I <laughs> millennials you. or boomers or whatever. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, uh, and so we, you know, we do have this, you know, not, not unassuming responsibility of like, it's time to get going. Like, yeah, you're, we, we can't jump on a plane and, and shake somebody's hand and say, that was fantastic. And wow, that was worth it. So you actually have to be better at your craft.
0: Yes.
2: You
1: actually have to be better at your craft right now. And this will separate businesses and people, um, of who's successful. You've got, you know, the, the marathon, um, in uh, in you know I think it when it was in China it was abysmally hot and and had uh, and smog and everything and it was like oh this is going to be oh, so yeah. tough and it's like someone's going to win it like we're all running in the same temperature atmosphere someone has to win it it might as well be you and would you rather be the person that won or would you rather be the person that said oh yeah you know I, I came in twenty seventh place because. I couldn't deal with the temperature mm-hmm. and as an athlete and as an athlete who's had a moderate level of mediocre success, I would say <laughs> 26 other people ran faster than you. So, you know, acknowledge it. You you didn't do, and you either yeah. didn't prepare or you didn't do whatever you didn't have all the tools. So I will get off my soapbox, uh, <laughs> is, we have the responsibility to, to kick this thing back off and, and not let it stop and you know help those businesses continue to succeed because they are looking for answers. And like it or not, salespeople, we actually have the answers and we just have to be better at
0: our job. Yeah, I like that. When the going gets tough, the, the tough get going. So that's, yeah. Yeah. That's good. That was like a little motivational speech. I feel coached up now. It's awesome. Uh,
1: I, I Again, I'm sitting in my office. I haven't really, uh, happy, happy to provide it. So
0: <laughs> That's great. Great answers to our 12 questions. Um, thank you again to Chris Oaks of Factorial for his insight and advice. Check out the show notes on subscriptioncoach.com slash podcast and sign up for my email newsletter where I read curate and summarize the best content on subscription sales, and sales team recruiting on the web every week on subscriptioncoach.com. That's a wrap. Uh, we'll see you next time on Sales in the Subscription Economy.